Hey guys, welcome to the Simply Intuitive podcast. This is Michelle, registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host for this show where we talk about all things intuitive eating and break down what's true versus what's diet culture so that you can focus on the simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your health and wellness. Today, I am sharing with you my chat with Ariella Azaraf. She is a therapist in New York City who also similar to myself, works with clients to help heal their relationships with food and their bodies. So we talked a lot about diet culture, what it is, what are the red flags, what to look out for, and how to just really be kind to yourself in this journey of stepping away from diets, leaning into intuitive eating, doing the uncomfortable thing of going against the grain and teaching yourself to listen to your own body. So It's a really valuable chat. I hope that you have some good takeaways. We've got both inspiration as well as actionable tips for you in here. So I'm going to dive in um, and I hope you like it. Hi, Ariella. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm thrilled. So Ariella is a therapist in my neighborhood. We connected because we just live in the same area, treat similar types of clients. Um, So Ariella, tell us about yourself, who you are, what you do, the full intro. Yes. Okay. So thank you for having me here, Michelle. I was just telling Michelle, for all you listeners, Michelle is the ideal podcast hostess because not only does she have a soothing voice, but she has a great personality and always fun to talk to. We went on a coffee date that turned into a friendship. Um, So she is great. Thank you all for being here. So my name is Ariella Azaroth. I'm a therapist here on the Upper East Side. I specialize in anxiety and depression with young professionals, young adults. So I specifically love, I love all individuals, but I specifically specifically love young professionals, kind of emerging adults. So that post-college, college, post-college age, that's 20s, 30s of just trying to really emerge into like the most authentic version of yourself and really trying to find your voice, trying to find your your authentic self in all ways, religiously, spiritually, professionally, um, and trying to quiet down all the noises that come with that from childhood, from community, from family, and really kind of stepping into your own, into your life and owning your life for you. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's such such an important transitional time and so hard. And some of that noise that we're going to talk about is diet culture. You help clients break free from diet culture. I help my clients break free from diet culture. And we talk a lot about what is more of like a gimmicky diet versus what's actually true, what's a myth, what's not. So tell us in that regard, what do you tend to see in your clients and people in your life in general. Um, What do people tend to go after? What are they looking for? What are those red flags from dieting? Yeah. We find ourselves in 2022, right? Everything is instantaneous, truly, right? You want, I know I find myself at night on Zara or Amazon and Anthropology, right? And you're on the app and you want that dress and it's a click and you get it. You ran out of toothpaste, click, and you don't even have to go to the store and it's at your door the next day, right? So we live in an instantaneous culture that things come so quickly to us. And we also live in a culture of social media, right? We hate it. We love it. That we often see 
people and what they look like and we compare, right? I always say compare and despair, that you compare yourself mm -hmm. to them. So I think that diet culture has kind of crept in and these fad diets I kind of wanted to talk about today, these diets that are so attractive in a sense, right? Just drink these shakes or eat these snacks and you lose weight. And it kind of becomes like the adrenaline of the losing so quickly, it becomes addictive. Yes. And you just want to keep doing it, right? But like anything, right? Like anything purely physical, you have a burnout, right? You can't eat chocolate. You can't eat chocolate cake all day, right? You can't work out all day, right? You can't be, you know, sexually active all day, right? Anything, anything physical, there needs to be a deadline, and there needs to kind of be a, a hard stop and balance. And yes. I'll pause with this, but I think that I think that what I would love to talk about too with you, because you hold a lot of wisdom and in, in balanced eating and intuitive eating, I think that something we need to think about is. The, the pull and the attraction, especially for young adults, towards these fad diets and what happens when they've burnt out or what happened when they just want pizza or what happens when they don't want to eat the same snacks and shakes anymore. Right, right. And this is so important to note that there is that point of burnout and that there is some sense of satisfaction satisfaction from it because like what you're saying with you know social media yes scrolling feels good but then the like mindset and comparison and the upset that it it brings you into feels bad so it's like there's there's some kind of false positive and there's also negative and it's the same with diets because you know people will say to me well I did restrict my food or I did give up carbs or I did go on keto and I lost weight and like it worked and yes, sometimes it will. And I use that word worked loosely because you have to define what working looks like for you. But yeah, these fad diets can lead to weight loss in the short term. But exactly what you're saying, like that doesn't last. There is that rebound. You do get to that point where you can't restrict yourself from the carbs or the pizza forever. And so then what happens next? Like then you do get to a point where it is absolutely not sustainable. And that's why diet culture is such a big moneymaker because they know that you're going to come back. Right. Right. And then that's kind of what begins that cycle. Right. And yes. I always say that that's really where the healing begins, you know? So my, my clients that, that I work with that have, have been on restrictive diets, right. And they knew, they knew that one day that diet's going to end, right. They knew that one day they were going to just get sick of this, the food, or counting their cucumbers, right? And, yes. oh and you knew that that, that's, that day is gonna come. So what I really call it is that's really when the healing begins. When you feel ready to step out of that space, right? And there is, there is a safety part to it, right? When you don't trust yourself with your food, right? Or you don't trust yourself to find that balance, that's really what it starts with. These restrictive diets feel safe because you have a plan, right? You have to measure. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of guidelines that help you feel safe when you feel out of control. Yeah, I would even say rules, you know, like they're rules. And yes, those things are so attractive to people. And I have so many clients or group program members tell me that it feels like they're in control and they feel like they need to be in control of the food. And I will always reflect back to them. It, like, is that really control? Is that what control feels like? And maybe control is even the wrong word. Is that what 
confidence feels like in your food choices, you know, when you are a slave to the rule book of the diet. Yes, but that is safe, right? And I think it's really whenever we step out of what we think is comfortable or what feels safe to us, that is when we grow. You know, one of my favorite things in in anxiety work is to show up scared, right? Really to do it scared. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of leaning into I'm stepping out of it and it's really toxic. Like these diets, I won't, I won't specifically name, but everyone could fill in the blank of whatever <laughs> diet they've moved through or whatever diet they, they see other friends or family doing that is just kind of like every time you hear it, it's like, oh, that name again. You know, I, I definitely have a few in my mind. Um, but we can all, we can all understand that understanding what it does for us. First, understanding that it feels safe and understanding that we can only really grow when we step out of that and, and recognizing how toxic the cycle is, mm-hmm. right? Because when you go from this space of restricting, and let's be honest, a lot of these diets are restricting. It's it's right. naming certain foods as bad. I'll always say my clients know we don't say good or bad because that is fueled with judgment. Yeah, same. I know whenever someone says good food, bad food, I will force them to describe it a different way. <laughs> I love that. I have a client that they get on and, and, and he says, yeah, it was a good week. It was a really bad, I was really bad this week. I'm like, yeah. You, you said you're, are you five years old? You're in a corner, bad boy. You were a bad boy this week. <laughs> and we laugh, but it's, it's so, it's fueled with so, or I didn't make it to the gym. I was really bad this week. No, I had a busy week. Right. I wish I could have gone more. Right. But it's, it's fueled right. with judgment. And, but, and, and, and a part of these diets is that you have a coach that's guiding you. That's almost like conditioning the guilt and judgment. Yeah. Right? So, yes. And that's also important. Like if you notice yourself, being led by someone who's making you or who's like creating that self-judgment, that's also a red flag. And part of why moving into intuitive eating, which I talk about a lot with clients and, you know, more of like the body neutrality and food neutrality, which we both talk about a lot. um, It's scary and it feels unsafe because there's less guidance because we're teaching you to be self-guided, right? Like, I can't know someone else's body experience. You can't know someone else's experience in their body, but we can teach them how to trust themselves, which is so much scarier than somebody telling you exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point because I think that the, the, it really starts with deconditioning those voices, right? So whatever quote yes. you had on your program or really identifying your core belief about food. So really going back, I'm not a psychoanalyst, but I do believe, especially with young adults, we've got to go back to childhood just a little bit to understand where our our beliefs come around food, right? So I have a certain client I'm working with that um, they have this this, this, uh, habit that, you know, they'll go to, let's say, Dung and Donuts, get a donut, and they'll have to hide the bag. But they'll Mm. grab a Snickers, and they have to hide the wrapper. And it's a lot of secrecy. And that comes from, as an adult man, right, that comes from when you're a child that you would have to hide things from your parent, right? Because there was a lot of shame connected to eating certain foods. Mm -hmm. And I think so, yeah, so many people can relate to that, that eating in secret is such a sign of disordered eating. Happens a lot, especially if somebody is binging or eating quantities of food that they feel shame about, even if maybe it's not objectively a binge Um, If it's a type or a quantity of food that that person has labeled as too much, then yeah, it becomes shameful. It becomes something that they hide, which then can perpetuate 
the binge or overeating or whatever you want to call it. And then again, lead you right back into that diet. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what you and I were talking about just before we logged on that, you know, what's interesting is that when you have this mindset of restriction, right, you crave four bowls of noodles, right? Or a whole pie of pizza or two huge things of 16 handles ice cream, right? That you want more, you have this like abundance, this, this, I'm sorry, restrictive mindset just makes you want to have more and more. But when you kind of tell yourself and you create this narrative of, oh, I'm craving pizza. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to have a piece of pizza, right? Or, oh, I'm craving this glass of wine and sushi, right? I'm going to honor that. Does that mean I want the whole bottle and five things of sushi? You won't want that, right? So when you allow it to be in abundance and you say, I can have more of that. You know, it's kind of like when you're sitting at dinner and let's say you're having a meal that you don't usually eat and you feel like you're full, but it's, there's still more on your plate. But you just want more because it's there. You're not honoring your body by overloading and then feeling nauseous. Right. Right. And it might happen still. Like that might happen a few times in order to learn that it's something that doesn't feel good. And that's not wrong. That's part of the process. Exactly. That's directional. You know, because being able to say, I can have more of this. I don't Mm -hmm. have to finish this all right now. But it's really about, that's where the mental health comes in. It's really about switching your mindset about your food. So it's not saying, I have to have this all right now because I don't know the next time I'm going to have it. No. It's about saying, okay, I know that I could have this again. I'm going to take half of this home and have it later. I don't want it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so important. And I, I do love what you said about kind of checking in with where it comes from and thinking about family and what your family's rhetoric around food was because that's so present. So do you have any practical tips that you give to people when they're trying to shift that mindset and they have come from the the restrictive and food shaming family background? Yes. Yes. And I always think on podcasts, it's important to talk. Then it's like, okay, skill, let's go. What do we do in real time? <laughs> right. <laughs> I appreciate that question. So the number one thing <clears throat> It's always important to I start with is just awareness around your behaviors. Just notice, right? So just as when we're working through, let's say, being working on not being passive aggressive. So in the moment that you want to text back that passive aggressive thing to your friend, you find yourself deleting it, right? Have you been there? I've been there like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. <laughs> I really want to say, then like I write it out. And I'm like, no, no, I shouldn't write that, right? No, yeah. Awareness. You're gaining awareness around when you're doing the very thing that you're working on. So the same thing with your eating, right? And, and I talk a lot about mindfulness in eating because that's how we just slow it down. So when we think of impulse, impulse is really acting and reacting without thinking. And I think when it comes to binging or restricting, it is an impulsive behavior. More, more binging is more impulsive in the sense that you're, you're kind of eating without thinking. You're not getting right. in touch with yourself. Right. So number one tip is building awareness around the thoughts that come in and building awareness around the behavior. So when you find yourself eating in secrecy, hiding, throwing wrappers away, start to get curious. And I even tell my clients, use a little humor. Okay. I'm doing that thing again. Yeah. I'm going back to my five-year-old self. Hold on. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. I always say like, I call it like taking an inventory of what's going on. Just like getting that information before jumping into 
either judging yourself for it or jumping into the next diet. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's an important piece we, we should bring in here that especially with binging that, you know, and I keep using pizza, but you know, when you're, you're at a hard day at work, you're sitting on your couch and you're super, you're super irritable and you're stressed and you're about to order a pie of pizza, right? Mm-hmm. You take a moment and you think, am I about to order this pizza because I'm, I'm hungry and I want this? Or am I eating it because I'm pissed and I'm angry and I'm stressed? And I just want the whole pie, right? Like even, I don't know, it's a podcast. You can't see my, my facial expression, but <laughs> there's like an intensity to the latter, right? When it's purely emotional, that isn't a form of self-care. Now, self-care isn't just getting a mani-pedi and a Starbucks, right? Self-care is really giving yourself a narrative of, I care about myself. Mm-hmm. I respect myself. And mm-hmm. when you when you indulge and when you eat so, so much and you don't feel well, you're not respecting your body. Right. And there's also a lot of nuance here. And I, I love talking about this topic of emotional eating and it can be judged. So yes, you're right. Like is binging on an entire pizza going to feel great? Probably not. Are there times when emotional eating will feel helpful? Yes, I actually think there are. And so it's about the balance, you know, as long as going back to what you were saying of like being mindful of what's going on. So if someone's able to check in and notice that like, yeah, I'm stressed and I still want to eat the pizza to help me relieve my stress, but it's not going to be the only thing I do. So maybe I'll have pizza for dinner but not binge on the whole pie because I'm also going to do other things to decrease my stress, then like it's a choice. And as long as it's a choice rather than a compulsion, it can be positive. Like emotional eating is a tool in a way, same way that on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, like exercise is a tool for decreasing stress. But if you're a chronic compulsive over exerciser and it's your only thing, then it becomes unhealthy. Mm. So same thing applies here. And and I do like to coach clients on like intentionally using emotional eating, which might sound crazy to people. Um, but I think it does have a role. And yes, what you're saying is so important of like still being connected to your body and how it affects you physically. And is it helping you feel the way you want to feel? Mm. I appreciate you saying that because I think that's where you're unique, Michelle, that truly um, that you're, you're all about balance. And it's true, right? You can have a really stressful day. I'll use myself in this. And, you know, the gym is everything to me, truly. It's how I, you know, we talk about this all the time. This is not yeah. an ad, but Equinox is <laughs> my my happy, safe place, truly, right? And I know myself on my stressful days. I'm like, Ariella, you're doing one class and only 30 minutes on the treadmill, then you're out. You're done, right? Yeah. I think in a very similar, in a very similar way, right? You also can say, you know what? I'm going to allow myself. I'm on, I'm going to go meet a friend for ice cream, and I'm going to get ice cream because I'm feeling really down right now, and that's okay. So I like how you say that when it's in balance, because you're not going to get a tub of ice cream sitting alone at home weeping, right? Because right. then you're creating this narrative, and then there's regret and shame. But I think when anything in balance is in response to something emotional, eating can be a part of that too. Just as we want to monitor not staying inside and watching Netflix all night. Right. I tell my clients, put on a timer. When that timer's up, you're up. No, I'm so glad you said that. Yes, because I was going to say the exact same thing. Like even those behaviors of eating the ice cream on the couch, watching Netflix, that's fine too. But I was literally going to say the same thing. Set a timer, 
choose how long you're going to do it or how many nights in that week you're going to do it. And then also make sure you're having that time for other, other things that are health promoting in different ways. Because I would say like, maybe that is what your mental health needs in the moment. And then are you also caring for your physical health in other ways? Yeah. 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 You know, cause I think another part of it, just talking about limiting, um, <clears throat> is kind of this, uh, part of also any restrictive diet is they have you weighing in pretty often, right? They have you being a slave to the scale. Yes. Okay. This is the other thing we wanted to talk about. So yeah, all of these tips and tricks and mindset shifts that help with more permission with food can scare people because of the fear of weight change. So yeah, tell us, tell us your thoughts on the scale. Well, the fear, I appreciate you saying the fear of weight change, because that's what it is. Because let's be honest, the minute you get off any restrictive diet, you will gain weight. Let's make that very clear. And let's embrace that fear. Yes. And I think that's often a very big, it's a very common fear for people that have lost weight, a significant amount of weight, um, that they never want to gain that back, right? They never want to gain that back. And it's, and there's all those before and after pictures and you hold that number in your mind, the lowest that you got to, right? Everyone wants to get to the lowest. And there is that fear of, I have restricted so much. I've had so much self-discipline to get here. And then what if I gain it back? And what if I lose control? So the number one place to start with is not only being kind to your mind, but also allowing yourself that space to say, I'm not going to allow myself to get back there because those were unhealthy habits, right? Maybe the reason why I was so heavy is because I had some habits that were really not working for me. So having that... Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say it is behavior based. And so that is a shift that I encourage in all my clients is don't look at the number, look at the behaviors, because like you're saying, you know, people probably will gain weight when going off of a restrictive diet because you're taking away that extreme restriction. And if you were at, so I talk a lot about set point weight, just our bodies have this weight that they, a weight range, not even a specific number that they naturally want to settle in. And so if you are engaging in behaviors that are not serving you, not health promoting, and typically if they're more extreme, then yes, your body will get to a point that's above the set point where it wants to be. And so to your point, this decision of like, I'm not going to let myself get there is I'm going to choose to focus on the behaviors that I know feel good in my body. And then the really, really hard part is trusting that that's going to maintain the set point weight range where your body wants to be. A hundred percent. So I think a part of it is to, to acknowledge, not to lie to yourself, that you will gain some of that. Right. Mm -hmm. But what you will, what you will also gain is that freedom. Is that, is that mental freedom of, I don't have to restrict and I don't have to weigh myself all the time. So let's just talk about this, about this being a slave to the scale, right? Because there's going to be a lot of, I call it deconditioning. Anytime you do any intense program that you kind of, once you, you come out of and you're kind of like, oh, whoa, there was a lot of toxicity there. Or there was a lot of um, unhealthy or unhelpful parts of that. You're going to want to do things differently. So the first thing is you're going to want to monitor First of all, how much you feel you want to weigh yourself and potentially not weighing yourself. Right. Right. I think for, 
I think it's helpful if you have been weighing yourself to spend at least a certain amount of time, like at least a few months not weighing yourself at all. I don't think it's necessarily unhelpful for someone to know their weight. I think that's kind of a debated topic. Like, oh, you should never weigh yourself. If you do, that's diet culture. But I don't necessarily think it is. Like, I think it's helpful to be able to see your weight and not be triggered by it. And if you don't want to weigh yourself, that's also fine. But when you've been doing it so often and almost compulsively, yeah, it is helpful to take time away from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's important because you don't have to weigh yourself. If that, you because you want to be, again, you want to be kind to your mind. So weighing yourself helps you stay kind of on track, then that's one thing. But if you feel that it's becoming obsessive, and again, once you do a fat diet, there's an obsessive part that needs healing. Mm-hmm. You become obsessed with counting calories. You become obsessed with the number on the scale. You become obsessed with weighing your food, right? And there's freedom in letting go of that of letting go of that number because if it messes with your mind, you know, and if you, if you feel like you're constantly thinking and then you weigh yourself and then you feel so bad, it's, it's, it's unkind to your mind. So you want to really get into that mode of thinking of, is this kind to my mind? Is this going to be helpful or is this going to send me into a spiral? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so even what you said of like, if someone is feeling like, Oh, weighing myself, keeps me on track I would even want someone to explore that more and like well how and how does it relate to your behaviors and your actions and what you're doing to take care of your health and then can we put the focus on that Mm -hmm. because that's what it's about like yes the numbers just can so easily become obsessive but it's a lot harder I think to obsess over or to have a negative view towards the holistic overall behavior patterns. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause yeah. it is, it's, it's, it is a behavioral part that we want to kind of nip, nip in the bud. So you want to be mindful of it for yourself of maybe that means once a week, maybe that means once a month. Right. But really, really trusting yourself that you know best. Right. You know boundaries. Yeah. And those boundaries with yourself. Yeah. Cause I do think when trying to heal and, I don't want to say eating disorder, but when trying to heal disordered eating, um, coming off of a yo-yo diet, you really want to build self-trust. And yeah. what's interesting is I often see, you know, I always joke that like the presenting problem is never the presenting problem. <laughs> yeah. The session, and I say, okay, what's well, bringing you in? And we talk it out. Then after like four sessions, I kind of highlight other parts. I'm like, I, th- I feel like these parts are bringing you in, right? So very often, and, and all the listeners, you could think about this for yourself. When we talk about healing disordered eating, this pattern of really building this place of self-trust within yourself, think about if there are other parts of your life where you don't trust yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Is that professionally? Do you constantly self-doubt? Do yeah. you constantly not listen to your, to your own voice? Right? Think about in relationships, whether you're married or dating or single, right? Do not yeah. trust yourself, right? Where where is it coming up in other areas? Because that's really the the foundational piece that needs healing. Yeah, no, that's just a great thing to think about for anyone to just kind of do that self check in. Because I was going to say something very similar. You know, I always tell clients it's about the food and it's not about the food, right? Like it's all interconnected. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. Because I think a part of it also. 
is if you have a mindset of, I, I can't, I can't do this. I need to just go back on the yo-yo. I need to go back on that diet. I feel my best on it. I need this in my life. I feel good. I look good. I just need that, right? So if that's your narrative, right? That's what you're gonna. That is gonna be your 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 narrative is your is your truth. You know, I heard this quote that said, "I am the two most important words, but the most important piece is what comes after that, right? I am. So I'm gonna fail, or I'm gonna gain." Or I'm gonna I'm gonna not find my balance. Like what you feed yourself is your reality. Mm-hmm. It is so important to be so careful what we feed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Literally and mentally. <laughs> yes, literally and mentally. That's exactly it. Because yeah. to to really take a minute and to think about, well, am I am I am I kind of coming from a, a strength base of saying I'm strong? Just like that discipline I had when I did the yo-yo diet, I can have that discipline and willpower to find my balance, to find my middle. Right, right. Discipline. I love that in a different way, applying it to like staying the path with breaking free from the diet and being disciplined in like committing to learning yourself and being confident in that. That is a great way to, to reframe and apply it. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So again, we can, we can go back to those practical tips. I know we talked about some like kind of setting limits for how often you weigh yourself, but any other things related to specifically the number of like someone's weight that you would tell someone if they're feeling very hung up on their weight, what would you tell someone to do? Self-compassion is number one, right? Mm. I think the first place that you really want to start with is is having compassion for this is hard for me, right? Yeah. This is really hard for me that I once, being honest with yourself and no toxic positivity, that I once weighed a different number and it's hard for me to see this number. And that's okay, right? That's that's an okay, that's a hard place to be. But you don't want to stay there too long. You know, you don't yeah. want to stay there too long. You want to acknowledge it and then you want to be able to check in with yourself and say, okay, what do I need to do now? So my biggest tip of distress tolerance would be to kind of distract, right? So you're acknowledging that you are an up, are you upset with the number. You're not going to stay there too long. Okay. So what am I going to do now? And I, I always say movement is really important. So it doesn't have to be exercise. It could be a walk around the block. But what are you doing to get out of your head? Because you could get really stuck in that cycle. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, movement to move out of those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Well, I feel like that's a good, a good takeaway. We've had some other good takeaways. Um, any, any other final thoughts that you wanted to add that we didn't touch on? Yeah, I think, I think the most important, if I can add in just the two tips is, sure. is one is just really creating a healthy dialogue around your needs, creating yeah. a really healthy, healthy self-talk and, checking in with yourself, you know, intuitive eating is a lot about checking in with yourself and where's my intention? Where's this coming from? Right? So you're sitting at a table with a ton of people and everyone's taking more and more and more. And because you just came off this restrictive diet, you want to take more and more and more. But when you pause, you check and you say, okay, how am I feeling? I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling full. If I need a little more, will I feel okay? Right? Like kind of talking it out, not from a place of restricting, just like Loving yourself. Loving yourself means I care about my body. 
I care about my mind. I care about my body. And mm-hmm. kind of when you have that check-in and you create space to say, you know, I'm going to have more of that later. I'm going to ask if I can have some of that wrapped up. When you have this abundance mindset after checking in with yourself, you won't feel as gross. Maybe you can eat that in a few hours and you're hungry again because you know what? You could. You could. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's an important piece. You know, I think especially, I think journaling is important. I think um, meditating is, is really important for people. Healing, healing after restrictive eating. Because you want to just slow it down. Yeah. You want to slow your mind down. Exactly. Yes. And that, like making those intuitive food decisions, checking in about whether or not you want more. Like you said, it's not from restriction. It's just from a place of like having more information about your decisions. Yeah. It's a practice too. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not, we're not used to just checking in with ourselves. We're not used to calming our mind down, you know, and it's interesting and, you know, we could wrap up with this, but it, when we're born, we're born really thinking, we're born thinking in a negative way. Think about it. We come out of, a mother's womb and we cry, right? Mm-hmm. So it's true that it's we were born thinking negatively. So it takes every force and takes so much energy to fight that tide of being negative. So I think that when we add in food, I think when we add in 2022 fad diets, we add in social media, all of that, it takes so much effort and energy and mindfulness to fight the tide of negativity. 100%. It does. And to not yeah. indulge in the narrative, not indulge in the, in the negative narrative that you can create. Right. Love it. Love it. Words of wisdom. So I do have a fun little lighthearted question to ask you to wrap up, which I'm realizing I forgot to ask the last person I spoke to. Um, but I love that. I love when podcast hosts do this. Yes. So question is, if it is your final day and you would have zero fullness or GI consequences, what would your ideal day of eating be? Like all your favorite foods, what would you have? Okay, from the morning? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Always start with a nice coffee. Yes. And I love Faya yogurt. Love mm. Faya yogurt with almond butter, raisins, and almonds. That is, but that is kind of like what I do every morning. (laughs) (laughs) But you love it. You're having what you like. And a few chocolate chips. Yes. Uh, Lunch would for sure be a huge salad, huge salad with fun toppings and tuna and a diet peach snapple. This is what I eat, so it's not really my final day. And then night would be I love sushi and white wine and six Mm -hmm. candles after. Like my ideal dinner. If anyone ever wants to go out for dinner, that is all I need. Mine so <laughs> and followed by 16 handles. That's ideal. And what are your Froyo toppings? Froyo toppings, always crushed Oreos. Oh, nice. I love the I love the brownie bits, like the chewy. Mm. That is good too. I also love banana bread. I make these banana muffins. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'll make yeah. you some. That is a good question. I like that one. <laughs> Amazing. If I'm being totally honest, if there were no GI consequences, I'd probably have more bagels. I yeah. just full from bagels, so I can't eat them so much. But oh, I love bagels. So good. Yum. Cool. That's well, now for you. <laughs> Allow yourself. Oh yeah, I will. I might go this afternoon. Great. Well, Ariella, tell us where everyone can find you to follow along with all you're doing. Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram. My name is A-R-I-E-L-L-A-A-Z-A-R-A-F. 
lcsw. That's my Instagram. And that my name and lcsw, what I just said, at gmail.com or my name, lcsw.com is my website. So all places you can find me. Thank you so much for having me. And anyone listening, just good luck. It's a journey. Like really healing from restrictive eating is a journey. And it takes a lot of self-trust and get the help you need through Michelle, nutritionists like Michelle, therapy with educated and balanced therapists. I've heard way too many stories of therapists that embrace restrictive. So find yourself a therapist that you vibe with and that is healthy and balanced and and trust yourself. And that therapist might be you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. This was a pleasure. I will link all of your links um, in the show notes. Thanks again. Thank you, Michelle. That is all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and that you had some good takeaways from it. If you did, um, definitely follow Ariella. I will have her Instagram and everything linked in the show notes and follow the show as well. Leave a five-star rating and review if you feel so inclined. I would so appreciate it. And definitely check out all the previous episodes and DM me on Instagram if you have suggestions for any upcoming episodes, anything you want to hear about. So let me know and I will catch you in the next episode.